today I have the privilege of talking to Amadeus Linzer, who is founder of Vitablik. Vitablik offers people with limited mobility in private and care homes a new chance to live life to the fullest and see their favorite places with the use of virtual reality. All productions are actually made by the, by, by the company and um, uh, are sort of shot in the, in the most beautiful uh, spots in, in Austria. So besides, uh, Amadeus is also an alumnus from the Strategic Entrepreneurship Master Program. So uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to your conversation, uh, Amadeus. So uh, as a starter, I'm really interested in hearing from you why you wanted to become an entrepreneur. All right. Hi, Peace. Really glad to be here. <laughs> um, why I wanted to be an entrepreneur, I think for me that started uh, already when I was little. Uh, my dad um, is a, or owns his business, is an entrepreneur, um, and he was always kind of a role model for me. So I think that the thought in my head uh, was sparked there. And then I went on and, and I was always interested in innovation and doing something new, something that's, that's not there yet. Um, I don't know, optimizing stuff. And during my bachelor studies, I was doing some innovation entrepreneurship courses. And, and after um, yeah, a couple of years in management consulting, I, also, I said, okay, um, I kind of feel like I, I still need some guidance in, in, in the aspect to how, how, do I, how do you set company up and stuff like that mm -hmm. and um, that was the reason why I chose the Erasmus University and the master's, uh, pro uh, master's program for strategic entrepreneurship. Cool so you described there that your, your dad had, had a big influence on your uh, decision to do entrepreneurship right? Right. Can you please describe what his uh, responsibilities were? Mm -hmm. um, so he was um, active in, in event management and also real estate and what I always saw in, in his kind of work or wasn't really specifics in you know, event management or real estate, but it was like his lifestyle. He could choose when and where he would spend his time, even though he was working quite a lot, more than um, you know, the average nine to five job. But, but that was something or that you know, being able to live self-controlled and not having to ask the boss, you know, can I please... Uh, I don't know, go pick up my kid or whatever. Um, and and also today, um, I, I try to live my life as self-controlled as possible. If it's a nice day and I and I should be working, um, I can still, you know, decide I'm just going to go outside and play some basketball or whatever. And then I'll come back in later and, and finish my work at night. And yeah. that's something that I really enjoy. And yeah, that was, I think, the, the biggest aspect. Yeah, very clear. Thanks. And so, so you became interested in innovation um, during your studies. Um, can you please describe what were some main projects where you were involved in? I guess the first few steps are during my bachelor's. Uh, it was it was mostly courses and you know hearing about yeah, innovation startups uh, stuff like that that really fascinated me and and I thought or I. Kind of like the idea of challenging everything it, it also it's you know sometimes the little things in life when when something is not working in my apartment i try to fix it with you know i don't know any any way possible not maybe not the correct way to fix it, it starts there and it just goes on and goes on and 
yeah, that's how the entrepreneurial mindset, I think it, it kind of grows, it grows in you. It's not something you take one class and then you know everything <laughs> about it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's super interesting. So gradually you, your interest for entrepreneurship really started to uh, develop and you sort of develop the entrepreneurial mindset in your daily activities as well. Uh, right. To, yeah. Right. Cool. And yeah, the idea or for, for, for what I'm doing now with Viteblik, that's something that also, I guess you could say I was kind of searching for it or searching for an idea to work on because as I said, I, I knew very early on that I wanted to, to have my own business someday. Um, I just didn't know what. I was kind of looking for an idea that was worth pursuing. And yeah, after after my bachelor's or during my bachelor's, I thought or I felt very, you know, immature in the business context kind of because I didn't have, or I did have some internships, but I didn't feel like I was very confident in, you know, what, how, how does economy even work how does business work uh, stuff like that and that's why i decided to go into management consulting to kind of learn the tool set and the methodology of how to think how to act how to have business meetings with plans and stuff like that um and that's where i learned everything but i was i was in the in the financial sector so i was uh, kind of consulting banks and insurance companies there was a lot of numbers you know mostly about pro uh, optimizing profits, cutting costs, stuff like that. And that was very yeah, efficiency driven and, and numbers driven. And I've, I've always been kind of a social person. So I was, um, I knew the social side in me wasn't really satisfied. And, and then, yeah, during my, during my master's, during my master's program in, my, in our last course, entrepreneurial uh, lab with uh, Luca Percici, great teacher, great teacher. <laughs> We we actually that's that's when we started the idea of of Vitablik. Uh, that's when, when we realized okay this is something that brings a lot of value to seniors. And in the beginning it was only seniors. Now also other people with limit uh, with disabilities and limited mobility. Mm -hmm. And now this is an idea that kind of connects the business side with the social side, where I, I know I'm making a social impact as well. Um, but I could also live my yeah aspired uh, business owner mentality. Yeah, exactly. Okay, super interesting. And um, so you mentioned there your, your management consulting um, role at KPMG. Can you please describe why you went to KPMG and also describe please the, the culture in there? How did you mm -hmm. experience that? Why KPMG? Um, it was recommended to me by a friend and I Initially, I did apply for an internship. It was during my studies, um, and I wanted to do an internship in summer. I applied way too late, like two months before or something like that. And the internships in you know, the big four companies are taken six months before the actual starting date. And then they they offered me an internship in the in the winter semester, and I immediately declined. I said, "No, I have to study there." And and then I, you know, uh, ended the call. And then later on, I thought, well, maybe, maybe an internship at KPMG wouldn't be something so bad after my studies if I had already done it during my studies. And then, like the next day, I called them back and said, hey, I might have, I might have declined a little too early. Is it still possible that I could do the internship in in October till December? And that's, yeah, they they accepted it or they 
yeah. um, invited me to an interview mm-hmm. and that all worked out. I was an intern there for three months and then they also offered me a full-time position, mm-hmm. um, which I then for the first, um, I think last, yeah, during my last semester, I, I did it 20 hours a week. Mm-hmm. And then I started full-time there. The, the, um, <clears throat> how it was at KPMG in general, I think it's a super high performance organization. So I had already done internships at other companies and everything is kind of laid back in, in, I don't know how to call it, but maybe out of the the consultancy work or or sector. And there at KPMG, everything was, you know, you gotta be quick, you gotta be exact, you gotta be precise. Um, Everything has to work and everyone has to be, or you have to be reliable for your work as well. So it was, I was working suddenly with colleagues who were all super good at what they were doing and super smart. And that also kind of created a, a, an atmosphere where, where like a competing atmosphere. Also, maybe it was only in me, but I felt like, you know, okay, this, this, this guy does this, this uh, woman does this. What can I do to kind of stand out? Yeah. And yeah, that's how I kind of, uh, went about on my time there and and um, yeah I learned so much it's, it's invaluable all the stuff that I learned there yeah. but for me it's not a lifestyle that I would like, like to live for the rest of my life okay yeah that's very clear I totally uh, can imagine that and um, yeah you, you mentioned you you worked in the uh, sort of financial uh, sector why specifically that sector because I, that's just that's just uh, kind of where I landed for my internship, and and yeah, the people there wanted to keep me, um, and it was also at the time something that I thought was very interesting. I, I as I said, I learned a lot. Like the my learning curve was was super steep, and it was good for the time. But as I said, after after some time, after a year or so, I realized okay, this is this is not like I'm helping companies, you know create higher profits, but I'm not doing anything for the social world, kind of. Okay. And and that's when I kind of, or the hunger for the social impact. Um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then you, you, uh, you did a sabbatical, right? After your... Uh... Right, right. <laughs> and after two years in consulting, <laughs> I, I took six months off to travel the world a little bit. I, I went backpacking to just kind of free my mind. Yeah, okay. And also there... Yeah. Yeah, can you yeah. please describe that experience? Yeah. Um, also, there, I the the thought was also that I would keep my keep my eyes open for for maybe an entrepreneurial idea that I could pursue. You know, maybe some other country has a certain culture or whatever, any product or whatever that I could implement in Austria or in in, in Europe. And yeah, I, I I don't know if I wasn't good enough at looking. But uh, it didn't turn out like that. But I, I still used it as, uh, you know, seeing other cultures, trying to um, analyze how do they live, what what's important to them, what are their values and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it it was definitely eye-opening and, and you know, um, it opened a, a new mindset to me and mm-hmm. compared to if you would only live in one place for the rest of your life or for, for all your life. Yeah, exactly. So you sort of developed a global mindset. Right, right. You yeah. could say that, I guess. <laughs> cool. Yeah, because you went to Asia, you went to South America, to Latin America as well, I think. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. La- yeah. 
It was it was two and a half months in South America, and then a little bit in the United States, Hawaii, and then we went uh, over to to South Southeast Asia. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, yeah that's nice plans. And uh, yeah, before you already had that interest and in in entrepreneurship, so it was a logical move for you to uh, to study uh, the master program. Why did you go to Rotterdam? Mm-hmm. I did. After already working, I knew that that I wouldn't want to do a two-year master program anymore. I knew that was one thing that I knew, um, that I wanted to do a one-year master program. And yeah, I, I was kind of looking for, for the best possible education. So I applied. In the end, it was only, I think, two universities that I applied. Uh, one was uh, Lund in Sweden, and one was the Erasmus University of Rotterdam. And, and I was kind of looking, you know, where would I get accepted? In the end, I was accepted at both, but I, you know, the, the ranking, um, I looked I looked up a lot about the cities where Lund would have definitely also been a really cool alternative. But yeah, overall, the, the package was just really better in, in Rotterdam. Yeah, exactly. And uh, how would you describe your study time in uh, Rotterdam? Uh, it was a very cool time. I still I still like to think back. It was not that, that long ago. It's it's. Not even two, or yeah, not even two years, two years ago. But Rotterdam was amazing. I mean, starting starting with the people, I really liked, uh, or in my in my um, sphere at least, the, the Dutch people were really welcoming and kind of like approaching you as well as a foreigner. I guess our master program is quite international, so there's a lot of different uh, cultures and people from different countries as well. I think for us, it was about 40% Dutch people and the rest was international, I think. So maybe that's also played into why we mix so well. And yeah, and the city itself is, is just beautiful. The, the life quality in Rotterdam when you can just bike everywhere. That for me was, was, was eye-opening as well. And I actually did have some thoughts about, you know, staying in Rotterdam or, you know, uh, also for the future, I, I will definitely keep keep my thoughts open on maybe I'll move there uh, mm-hmm. for a few years. Mm-hmm. I don't know, in the future. Cool. cool. Yeah. yeah. What uh, what football club did you support? Ah, uh, no <laughs> football club. I'm not that interested. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I know that the Dutchies are very, very uh, keen on football. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm more of the basketball guy, but also um, not okay. really, more like playing it myself. And not, uh, you know, watching it, watching it too much. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cool. That's a good uh, neutral answer that you provide. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and yeah, your your study time then. Um, you, you just briefly described your uh, yeah the entrepreneurial lab course. Uh, what were some other key highlights of the master program? I enjoyed the the whole master program. I thought it was really uh, well structured and well built, uh, starting with the idea creation course where you learn, you know, in which in which ways you go about finding a business idea kind of. That was something that helped me a lot and that was also something that I was kind of searching for. And then we went with an idea. Uh, we were pitching it or we, we did a lot of pitching during the first course and in the second course we we started the idea validation. Also, great course with Magdalena Zolakova, which was where we really learn on how do you find out if a, if an idea would actually work, and you know how do you talk to customers, potential customers? How do you even know if there is a problem for this solution that you want to create? 
or even you know first starting with a problem altogether. Um, that was really cool. And then also later on the startup process, how do you scale a company? Um, for me, the the entrepreneurship uh, part where they talk about you know innovation in large companies wasn't that interesting or but also I wasn't looking for that kind of information anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still thought it was good that, you know, it, it should be in the master program. Mm-hmm. And it should be taught. Um, so that was good. Mm-hmm. And then, as I said, yeah, the last course with entrepreneurial lab, that was something where you could really take all the learnings that you got from the previous courses and, and apply it in practice. Mm-hmm. And that's for me was, was, yeah, the greatest course because I was already equipped with the with the with the tool set kind of on, on how to go about it, and for me it worked that I actually uh, worked on the business idea that I'm still pursuing now. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'm very very humble and and appreciative of of, of my studies there. Mm-hmm. Wow, and you described briefly as well how you come up with the idea. Um, could you please elaborate more on that? Just describe. Sort of how you came up came up with the idea with uh, Meet uh, Fitablick, and then also please describe your team dynamics in 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 your team in terms of how you uh, yeah sort of validated the product as well during that short time frame of of the course. Yep, um, <clears throat> how we came about um, the idea was that it was around during the Christmas time uh, when everyone kind of flew back home to visit their their family. And for me, when I flew back, I saw my grandfather who uh, had cancer and he had already been bedridden for four months there. So he couldn't get out of his room or even in his bed. Um, And he was a person who who traveled around quite a lot during his life. And um, for me, being being in, in Rotterdam for the last six months there, that was the first time that I saw him in that situation. And that really, I don't know, it was weird for me to see, mm. and I tried to think about how can I make the situation better for him. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, took my took my tablet and my smartphone and tried to show him photos and, and videos of Rotterdam, of my university, and tried to let him experience my life kind of through pictures again. Mm. But I realized really quickly, I said, you know, take a, uh, put the phone away and just tell me about it, and I can, you know, imagine and live your emotions better. Mm. And I did, but it still it it didn't. I couldn't uh, let the thought of, of him, you know, being in bed go. And when I went back to Rotterdam, I talked to a, a friend about it, Johan, um, and he had the same problem. He explained the, the exact same problem that he went back home. His grandmother had already been bedridden for two years. He tried to show her pictures, didn't really quite work, and and we talked about it. And then a few weeks later, we we read about uh, VR headsets. And the, our, our initial idea kind of was that we pr- provide or produce experience like a bungee jump and stuff like that for people in our generation. And okay. then again, we, we talked about it and we said, okay, but people our generation, we could just go somewhere and do the bungee jump. We can still do it. And there's people like our grandparents who cannot do this stuff anymore, who cannot, you know, climb that mount, mountain anymore where they've always been, who cannot go to the lake where they've always been and mm-hmm. where they played with their children and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how the idea was born. And um, we used it for the for the entrepreneurial lab class. And, and there we just uh, bought a VR headset at MediaMarkt. 
and um, went to a senior home. My team was uh, Mark. He was one Dutch guy, so he was kind of like the our how do you say it? Our connection to the Dutch uh, mm-hmm. companies and senior homes. So he was always doing making the calls, you know, writing the emails, okay. stuff like that. We had Maria from I think it was Peru. Um, and then Johan, another Austrian, and me. Uh, that was our team. And yeah, together we kind of brainstormed, okay, how can we make this experience fun and you know enjoyable yeah. for the seniors? And at first we thought, you know, we would send them with the VR headset, we would send them to Australia and to <laughs> Paris and stuff like that. We provi- uh, prepared those, those uh, films on the 360-degree films on the headset, and we went to the senior home. And there we asked the people, like, where do you want to go? Do you want to go to Australia or do you want to go to Paris? <laughs> and they said, I would like to see the lake in Rotterdam or I would like to see the Markthal in Rotterdam. Okay. Um, so it was really places that were a few kilometers away. Right. But this target group is just not able to experience that anymore. And that was for us. It was like, yeah, if you want to go to Markthal, you go to Markthal. <laughs> but we didn't think about that before. So that was really a, a pivotal um, experience for us that we couldn't have, or I guess we could have, with a lot of empathy, could have realized it. But it was just, whenever you go to the to potential customer and you try out your product, you have so many learnings. Mm-hmm. And that's when we realized, okay, the regional aspect is super important for this target group. Mm. And yeah, that's how the idea kind of was, was developed, how it was born. Yeah. Um, we pitched it at the end of the, uh, of the class, and I think we also won the, the pitching. Um, um, competition with the idea wow. and then later on uh, Johan and I wanted or yeah we're kind of looking to to, to establish it in, in Austria mm-hmm. uh, Mark said um, he, he got a job at another really big company um, in, 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 uh, in the Netherlands and Maria went back to Peru she was I think an exchange student mm-hmm. and then yeah we kept working on it we kept um, filming uh, stuff in Austria mm-hmm. and then I guess the, the the other startups kind of lured Johan away so he went <laughs> he actually went to, to Zürich to Switzerland okay. um, to work at a startup there also a really cool big startup and that kind of left me <laughs> as the sole mm-hmm. pursuer and uh, yeah today today I have one employee um, and mm-hmm. I, yeah it's just me as a founder Wow, it's a very inspiring uh, trajectory which you uh, which you uh, persevered through. Very interesting, and just uh, uh, going briefly back to your study still. Um, so during your your whole validation phase, right? You also wrote your thesis. Can you please describe, like, uh, I don't know if you really look back to it with great memories, but uh, can you please describe your sort of theme and how that uh, whole thesis writing, what what the key learnings were for you during that during that thesis writing, and yeah, what what the main conclusions were. Um, I was I was really interested in um, yeah the idea development. Um, how how does an idea an idea develop? And um, there are the two factors that are that are always playing a role there, which is either pivoting the idea or persevering. And for me, I wanted to find out uh, in which in which way does a team decide on whether to pivot or persevere in an idea. 
so I was I was looking at that at the, at the in the context of a startup hackathon, which takes place for one weekend, and they work on an idea and kind of try to develop it. And yeah, during the weekend, I, I was really able to find out that, that the idea owner, the person who actually has the idea in the beginning, is most of the times like the, yeah, as I said, the idea owner. So it, it's like the other people have to try to convince uh, that person to kind of change the idea a little bit or adapt it to, to pivot. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it, it really dep also depends on the personality of the, of the owner, he or she. Also, um, you know, suggests um, changes to it. But yeah, I, I realized that that everything kind of stands and falls with the with the idea owner. That's like the most central mm. part in the team. I, I was looking at the decision making style. If they're doing it, you know, as a group or as I said, like an authoritarian decision making style as a, for the business owner, mm -hmm. uh, for the idea owner. Sorry, and and I. I realized also I, I tried to kind of derive some phases throughout that the, the decision or the idea development process and and realized that there are some phases that are kind of productive and other phases that are more um, I think they call them isolating phases so uh -huh. um, there are always triggers between those phases that trigger you know a productive phase and some other triggers trigger an isolating phase where where team Kind of has to think and say, oh, we didn't think about that before. You know, mm. what are we gonna do? Mm -hmm. Kind of that that demotivates them, I guess, mm. and that doesn't really uh, produce the or, or advance the idea. Mm -hmm. I don't know if your question kind of was looking for for these kinds of answer or more like on the thesis writing process as a student. Uh, that that was super interesting. Um, yeah, if if you can. Just briefly also describe your, your whole experience with the thesis writing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think for during the one year master, it's, it's kind of everything is kind of dense with courses and of course the thesis writing. So during the second semester, I didn't have that much free time anymore uh, because, you know, you work in your classes and you work in your idea also. And that's something that I was quite passionate about. So um, a lot of time goes into that. And then you kind of try to use every three minutes to work on your on your master thesis. Mm. For me, I kind of uh, I liked it when you go really deep into one topic and when you actually you know um, sit in a cafe or at, at the library at, mm. at Osmos and you lose track of time because you're reading so much and that's kind of I, I really enjoyed that. I also the, the an important part for me was choosing the right topic for me. Uh, during my bachelor studies for the for my bachelor's thesis, I, I chose a topic, um, an insurance topic that I wasn't that passionate about, and that really it, it had me struggling writing it and kind of staying motivated. Mm -hmm. And that's one tip I can give to to, to fellow students: um, choose a topic that you're actually passionate about, and mm -hmm. then it will feel like um, you're still like you're finding out stuff and not like. Yeah, I have to do this thesis in order to get my degree. Yeah, exactly. I can I can imagine. Very very well, very good piece of advice. Interesting. So yeah, you now have this idea. You have uh, yeah, you just described your. You are now the sole owner of your product. I'm really interested in how you skilled from there when you were the the one founder. How did you validate your product? And how did you acquire customers? 
Can you please describe that process? Um, that was, it's, it's quite a long process. It started with a very rudimentary uh, product. So I, I just bought a 360 degree camera, started shooting videos, and then um, I, I just called up senior homes and asked, or and, and I told them what I was doing and mm-hmm. told them it was a former university project. That's also something that, that, that I can give as a university project to get into companies way easier when you say, okay, I'm working or I'm a student at this university. So at the beginning, I was kind of trying to say, yeah, it's like a university project. Um, <laughs> I tried to leave out the part that I'm not a student anymore. But yeah, eventually one, one senior home um, said, okay, that sounds super interesting. So I was looking for that early evangelist, how we call it. Mm-hmm. And they, they thought that this could be something really cool for, for their uh, seniors. And I went there and I produced, or and I showed the, my, the, the videos that I produced twice a week. I went there and I showed them the videos and then I would gather feedback from the seniors. Mm. Some, in the beginning, it was a lot about, you know, uh, that they kind of feel dizzy because I was shooting videos where you walk with the camera. Then I changed that. I went to stationary videos and then, yeah. um, you, know, you know, the sun, the positioning of the sun, <laughs> all kinds of stuff you, you learn. And that are maybe not that, maybe me as a person, I wasn't yeah, really looking at that mm. when I was watching it, but yeah. my target group was apparently. Mm-hmm. And that was, uh, you know, super important for me to, to go and, and test it out because otherwise I would have never gotten the product that we have today. Yeah. So um, that was one part about the, the customer side, how we developed it. We just literally went, or I, in the, mm-hmm. be- uh, in the beginning, I went to the senior homes and I tested it and gathered feedback. Mm. And then, you know, I, I created a few videos and I, I thought, okay, maybe maybe it's ready to 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 sell already. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to another senior home and I was I got a meeting. You know, I introduced it in one of their senior homes. It was it went really well. And then I got a meeting with the CEO with an organization. They have many senior homes in Austria. And during that meeting, the, the CEO was super in, interested in learning about, you know, the, the caregiving aspect of it. Like okay. he asked me, where are you coming from? What is your background? And are you a caregiver? And I said, no, I'm, you know, I was a business student, not a business <laughs> student. I kind of learned everything going on, trial and error. Mm-hmm. Um, but he said, yeah, he's, he's really missing the, the caregiving aspect. Like someone with that experience and with the, with the expertise mm-hmm. would have to say, okay, this is good for seniors. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was also another learning point because I thought, you know, I was already in your senior home and they loved it. Um, but still, you don't want to, you know, buy it because there is no, not, no person behind it that says, okay, this is good. Mm-hmm. So I, I knew I had to, you know, get someone on board. Mm-hmm. Um, which I did. Uh, she's a she's a um, I don't know the English word gerontologist. I think like she's she studied um, medical caregiving for seniors. Yeah. Or, yeah. And she kind of reviewed the videos with me, and also also went to the senior home to you know observe how the seniors react to it, and then together with her we produce the production concept and you know how do the videos have to be built what do they have to show um what should be things that shouldn't be in the video um especially for seniors also then we looked into specific uh, 
word illnesses or mm -hmm. you know dementia people with dementia mm -hmm. stroke stroke patients mm -hmm. how do we have to create diverse videos there yeah and yeah now with the with the production concept that already helped and then obviously i my my uh, i have one employee now julian mm -hmm. and he's a video producer so he okay. then brought another huge load of, of experience in the video producing part to the mm -hmm. table um i was able to get government grants in Austria. Austria is very, yeah, giving there kind of mm -hmm. startups, mm -hmm. uh, which was really good for us. Mm -hmm. And yeah, together with the three people kind of, we, we developed this product and, and developed the, uh, everything else. And then cool. I did the marketing side and, you know, created presentations and uh, yeah. we created a video, stuff like that. So yeah. we eventually marketed. Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. So you, uh, you really built your team from there. And, and in terms of your, your thesis writing, right? Uh, so you, you talked there a little bit about product owner. Right. Do you, do you feel like uh, your team has a shared, uh, like shared responsibility for the product? Or do you still see as you as the key owner of the, the project? Um, How is your leadership style in that respect? Yep. For now, I see myself as the as the key piece in all of this, mm -hmm. and I think that's also how it should be. Um, the founder should be where where all the strings you know connect. But but I do, Julian. He has way more video production experience than me, mm -hmm. so I try to learn as much as possible from him. And I also you know 360 degree video production is is different than the normal video production. So it's um, it has very different aspects. You don't have to look for a certain frame, but you know you always see everything, um, stuff like that. And to this day, actually, we still learn something new um, when we get you know customer feedback. Um, but I, I try, and and that's also why I try to to always tell Julian, you know, if I if I did something a certain way until now, that doesn't mean you have to do it that way. If you think you there's a better way, always you know propose it and always do it and and he's really good at that. He also brings, you know, suggestions to the new videos. Mm -hmm. We're we're producing. Uh, we're both producing videos right now all over Austria. Mm -hmm. And he, you know, also we we try to review our each other's videos. Mm -hmm. And yeah, he he has brought a lot to the table that that I couldn't have uh, brought myself. Yeah. Um, if if there was more money, I would also try to gather more expertise. But we'll have to wait a little bit for that until um, we have a, an established customer base. Oh, cool! Yeah, so now you have uh, three care homes, right? In uh, in Austria, your customers? Um, no, now we have one organization who's doing um, mobile mob, mobile dementia care. So they. They have psychologists who drive around and meet people in their homes, dementia um, patients in their homes, and they're doing biography work with them with our headsets. Okay. So they're, you know, showing, taking them to places that where they've been, um, you know, bringing up those emotions and and uh, memories that they have from those places. Yeah. And Corona kind of or COVID kind of stifled the sales part a lot. Um, I founded the company actually today, one year ago, on the 1st of March, 2020. <laughs> so birthday. <laughs> Congratulations. Um, and um, yeah, and then two weeks later, we had the first lockdown in Austria and, you know, all the seniors 
you know, homes closed down. Mm. Um, so it was really hard to also in, even introduce it mm. to, the, to the homes during some phases where there was not that much, you know, lockdown where they kind of mm-hmm. softened it. I was able to introduce it during the summer and now again uh, with, the, with the vaccines mm-hmm. being finished soon. Mm-hmm. Like now the sales process is starting up again. And yeah, we hope to, to <laughs> launch our product on the actual market now soon. <laughs> wow, congrats with your, uh, with your progress there. And I've read actually uh, on your website that you uh, won Innovation Award, right? Right, right. Uh, we, we won uh, one Innovation Award and what is the other thing? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the thing with, the, with these awards is, you know, it's it kind of, oh yeah, it was actually two Innovation Awards kind of, one for an innovative uh, service and one was a, for, for one of the top 25 most innovative small companies in Austria. Mm-hmm. And the thing with these, with these awards is, is usually like, you can use it for marketing purposes, mm-hmm. but a lot of times, you, or also, you know, to create, create credibility with, with customers. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just an award kind of. Like mm-hmm. I always try to have to see like that mm-hmm. because, uh, People always think, you know, once you have an award, then you're you're branded, great company, everything is working really well. <laughs> uh, but it's still, you know, a work in process. Uh, uh-huh. But obviously, it's it's also cool to to be uh, recognized by other, you know, companies or you know, mm-hmm. government. Okay, well, interesting mindset there. So you uh, you still uh, go on with your business, and you 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 still keep uh, yourself, you know. Um, down to the ground right 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 yeah cool i think that's also super important to not think that just because some people say you have a great product and mm-hmm. that you think you know okay i don't have to do anything anymore you know it'll sell by itself <laughs> so it always you always got to keep working and try to improve your product your offering your marketing yeah exactly yeah, yeah. it's a really good mindset <clears throat> And are there like uh, so? Uh, are there some like limitations to your scaling of Vitablik? I mean, uh, I was thinking about you know uh, the whole social aspect of it. So in Austria, I think there are a lot of villages, and people are very tied to their villages, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I think the key advantage of your your product is that uh, customers can or uh, like uh, elderly can revisit familiar places to them, uh, and they attach great meaning to that. But then maybe in in places which are much more densely populated, like in cities, people would have maybe different needs in care homes. Right. Um, the, the the good thing about Austria is that it's not that big. Mm-hmm. The bad thing, or bad thing if you want to call it bad, is as you just described. There's um, most of the people live in 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 cities or you know uh, Vienna. For example, has like I don't know, twenty percent of the population, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, you have to try to 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 create experiences of places that m- most people know. Okay. So you know, there's always the the, the highlights of of a specific country, you know, mm-hmm. and places that everyone knows. Maybe they've never been there, uh, which is which also we we don't only try to create experiences in places where people have been, but people are places where maybe you know of Hallstatt. Do you know Hallstatt? No, I don't know. 
No. Never heard of it. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's an, a place, a really idyllic uh, town uh, on a lake, and I think even China or the Chinese people rebuilt the whole city or the whole town <laughs> oh, really? in China somewhere. Um, I, that's what I read. I've been there, but um, yeah. So we tr we produced a, an an experience or a, a virtual experience to Hallstatt, and that's mm -hmm. obviously also something that most Austrians know. Also, the seniors, um, even though they've never been there, but it's something that's so um, in their culture yeah. that it's, it feels like home, kind of, kind of to them. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're trying to. We try to pick out the places that are that Austria is known for, mm -hmm. kind of, mm -hmm. and and show it to them. But you said, as you said, the, the scalability is within is limited to the region. We're we're also looking at at um, other countries in Europe right now um, to to go there, but but then only the region isn't or there's not a fixed scalability. Let's say it like that. For example, if I produce a video of the Croatian Ocean or or Italy mm -hmm. Venice, uh, you can also show it in in various other countries because people know of the place. Mm -hmm. um, so mm -hmm. that's how we go about it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, very interesting, and I want to wish you all the best with your uh, future validations as well. I'm sure it will be a great, uh, great success. Um, Thanks so much. Uh, so, just to, to close uh, our uh, our conversation, what would be your key piece of advice for students contemplating about entrepreneurship? Contemplating about doing the masters? Uh, no, actually, uh, we are uh, thinking about starting a own business. Okay, for me, it's it's um, everyone is always super concerned about the risk you take. Like, mm. uh, that's always in everyone's mouth. Um, but what about the risk? What if it fails? And what if it, you know, I'm in a in a privileged situation of living in Austria, but I think also in the Netherlands uh, it's that way. Also, the government uh, you can get grants there. Um, several other European countries and also you know countries around the world mm. provide grants. Um, as long as you can. Establish funding somehow for a certain amount of time. It's not really a risk you take. It's because you also maybe you're not paid in money for the first few years, um, but you're paid in experience, and and that experience has been invaluable to me. It, mm -hmm. I wouldn't have gotten the experience uh, at any other company. So that's that's how I see it, and I would just urge everyone to to just take the plunge and and jump in, try it, and I think it will pay off in the end, regardless of the outcome. Yeah, cool. Oh, interesting. Uh, thank you so much. It was a really great uh, conversation. Maybe like one more last thing. Uh, how can our listeners connect with you? Uh, they can connect with, with me um, on LinkedIn, um, Matthias Linzer, <clears throat> and also if they're interested in our product, uh, they can go <laughs> to our website, vitablick.at. And just uh, there's a contact space there. There's also an email address, a phone number is there. If you have any questions, just hit me up. And yeah, I'll be glad to help. Cool, man. Thank you so much for your time. It's great. Thank you so much for having me. Sure, it was a pleasure. <laughs>